0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the blessings you've offered us, for a chance to celebrate another day, a chance to be in your house, a chance to open our hearts and our minds to your word, a chance to... Gather together with brothers and sisters and just be in Your presence together. So we ask, Father, that You would come and meet with us in a powerful way. That we would know that You've been here with us. That we would not miss Your coming to meet with us. Lord Jesus, we pray that all that we say and do would bring praise and honor and glory to Your name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. We're going to be reading through verse 37. It may sound familiar to you if you were here last week. And if it doesn't sound familiar to you and you were here last week, we need to talk. You may remember last week we talked about neighbors, and, and we asked who, who we are, who are we, and, and I hope you understood that we are neighbors because we've been changed. We're different on the inside, um, and it's not what's on the outside, but what's changed is what's on the inside. And this morning as we look at neighbors, the, the question is, who are you? And if you are a neighbor, what does that look like? How does that work itself out in your life? And so I I hope this morning you begin to see what it's like not just to be a neighbor, but what it's like to make a neighbor. And so we come to our Scripture again, and and once again we're going to hear of this this man who is questioning Jesus. He's tempting Jesus. He's trying to catch Jesus in Jesus' own words. And so this is what uh, what the Scripture says. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. May God have God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Dear love, uh, thank you for loving us so unconditionally, for coming to offer your life for ours, for giving us a life that can be free, a life that can be full, a life, Lord Jesus, that can be more abundant than we even would ever imagine. And so this morning, Lord, we pray that you draw us into your life, and that we would be more like you when we leave than when we came, because we not only heard your voice, but we responded. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity. I pray that you'd speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory, for you are our King, our Lord, our Savior, our God. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, is this like a part two? Yeah, there's actually three parts, Kenny. <laughs> wow. There's always three parts, right? And a poem somewhere. <laughs> Okay, uh, so last week we talked about how a neighbor has a change of heart, how a neighbor has a different heart, and, and, and this morning I want us to look at the definition of a neighbor. What does it mean when I say, I am a neighbor? What, what does that look like in the way I act, in the way I respond, in, in how I communicate? Um, what does it look like when I say, I am a neighbor? Now our world has lost the definition of neighbor uh, in some very powerful ways. And I believe in Jesus's day, they were having the same problem. You see, the Jews had decided, uh, or some of the Jews had decided, that if they were to, to love their neighbor, uh, they would define their neighbor as narrowly as possible. So, for instance, the Pharisees uh, decided that they only needed to love Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were a specific sect of the Jewish faith, and so they decided they only needed to love Pharisees, you see, because only Pharisees were their neighbors. Now, it's easy to point the finger at first century Judaism, but the truth of the matter is uh, we live in the same kind of world, don't we? Uh, as a matter of fact, we as Baptists can't say a whole lot because there are more types of Baptists than anything else, I think, in, in secular society even. We, we have a ton of different Baptists. There are Baptists that only have four or five churches in them. Uh, because they could only get along with four or five other churches. Uh, and, and there's this idea that we only have to love people who are close to us. And when we read the word neighbor, we frequently think, well, I only have to love the people who live near me. Well, Jesus, as we saw last week, is expanding those boundaries quickly. And neighbor is a greater understanding than we ever thought. And, and that, that understanding, I hope, will, will in, increase... In your understanding today, now uh, I, I want you—I want you to see a couple things. First of all, if you look in our world today, you'll see how neighbor has really fallen down, because uh, earlier I think it was this week or late last week—I can't remember which—there um, was a, uh, a a guy drowning in uh, drowning in the water, and there are boys on the shore who are actually videoing this guy drowning and are, are laughing and scorning, and they watched him drown. And, and at one point, uh, when he had gone under, one of the young men suggests, maybe we should call 911. And then they decided not to, and went away. You see where we've come. Is that my neighbor? And how do I respond? Uh, it's interesting to me how many times we see someone who may be in trouble and we pass by on the other side because we're not sure who they are and we don't feel safe. You ever do that? You ever do that? You don't have to answer. Just think about it. I see you're all thinking. Who is your neighbor and how do you respond? Um, We live in a society where there are Democrats and there are Republicans. And the sad part, I think, about the way our political system has unraveled of late, uh, and I would like to say this is the first time this has happened, but if you read the history of the United States, you'll know that the Democrats and Republicans have been Uh, just as polarized at times in the past. But the struggle for me is, uh, where are their neighbors? Are the Democrats and Republicans actually neighbors to one another? And the truth of the matter is, Jesus would expand. So I don't care whether you're a Republican or Democrat here this morning, Jesus would expand who your neighbor is. So that person who may be on the other side of the political spectrum from you, Jesus would still challenge you and say, is this person your neighbor? And you'll find out by the way you treat that person. We struggle also in this world with the world against us. And so, who is our neighbor? Is it only people who live in our community, or in our nation, or in our continent? Or is Jesus going to expand our idea of neighbor beyond that? So as we look at the Good Samaritan this morning, we are challenged to expand our view of who neighbor is and therefore expand how we respond to people not just who live near us or who agree with us or who look like us, but we are challenged to expand how we respond to people around the world because of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. And if He has changed our hearts, then we will respond differently. Don't get lost. Stick with me. Important stuff. Because you see, the good Samaritan, the Samaritan in the story is the neighbor, is he not? I mean, I think we'd all agree with that. Uh, Even the expert in the law, although he would... uh, Dare not say the word Samaritan. He believed that the Samaritan was the one who was the neighbor. Which of these three, Jesus says, was neighbor to the man who fell to the robbers? And, and, and the expert of the law has to say, well, the, the, you can see him almost hesitant. I don't want to say Samaritan, but so he says, the one who had mercy on him. Right, exactly, Jesus says. That is the neighbor. And how do you know he's the neighbor? Well, you know he's the neighbor because of how he responds to the man who's been beat up and left on the side of the road. You know he's the neighbor because he's busy making neighbors, not trying to decide who is not his neighbor. You with me? And there's a big difference, isn't there? So Jesus this morning continues to expand our view of who's our neighbor and how we should respond to that neighbor. So what is a neighbor? What does a neighbor look like? Well, what's interesting to me is this man, this Samaritan man, comes to the guy who's been beat up on the side of the road and he sees him. Now there's nothing extraordinary about that because we read that the priest went by and what did the priest do? The priest saw him and passed by on the other side. What did the Levite do? Saw him. They both saw the man. It's not like they didn't see him, or that they, well, oh, I didn't know he was there, or he was behind the bushes. No, they all saw him. But the Samaritan, when he saw the man, took pity on him. You see, his eyes were different than the eyes of the priests and the eyes of the Levites because when he sees the man, he sees the man with great compassion. You see, when the Samaritan sees the man, he sees the plight of the man. He doesn't just see a man who's beat up by the side of the road. He sees a man who's in great need. When he sees the man, his heart is moved and he sees the man with a different eyesight than the Levite and the priest. When he sees the man, he sees a human being, a fellow human being, deep in need. And because of that, he is stirred and he is stirred with pity and compassion for the man. You see, he sees the man with different eyes. Because he sees the man with compassion. Now, this is what happens, I think, for us with compassion. When we have a connection to another person, we are more likely to have compassion upon them. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if it's your loved one, or your family member that's going through a trial, you are quick to have compassion for them, right? I, I know people, I, I've had people come to me, and they're really upset about people who are going through, uh, well, and, and somewhat judgmental about decisions people have made in the past. And, and and I understand where they come from, but then all of a sudden a family member of theirs goes through that, and all of a sudden they have a different vision of they may still say, well, it's not right, but now they see it as a person with compassion. Why is that? Because it's someone they love. It's somebody they care for. You with me? So, so what happens is their eyesight changes. Uh, they may not change their position on that issue, whatever it is, but because it's someone they love, they now approach it with love and compassion as opposed to judgment, And you see, that's what happens with the Samaritan. You see, he has learned that he is connected not just to his family, but he's connected to all those he loves. And because it's Jesus' story, Jesus has imparted upon the Samaritan a love not just for those who are part of his family, And not just a love for those who live near him. But Jesus has imparted upon this Samaritan a love for all human beings. As a matter of fact, as you read the story, although we know nothing about the man who is beat up, the implication from the outset, at least for all the Jews standing there, is that this man who's been beat up and left by the side of the road is a Jew. And this man is a Samaritan. And we talked last week how Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. And I talked about how Jews really looked despisedly upon the Samaritans. But the truth of the matter is, it went the other way around as well. A Samaritan would not talk to a Jew. A Samaritan would, would walk walk by a Jew and would just soon a Jew be defeated, be hurt be left alone than to stop and to minister and care for. But this Samaritan, you see, this Samaritan, something has happened within him, and he is willing to reach out to whomever this is. Why? Because he understands that Jesus calls him to love everybody. And so he sees everybody with compassion. Everybody with compassion. Even his enemies with compassion. You see, I, I don't know about you, but but when we get to that point, I become challenged immediately. Because there are those who would hurt us and those who would come after us and those who would treat us poorly. There are those who would... Call us names, those who would persecute us, those who would just soon we not exist. And the question is how will you respond? Are you making neighbors? Do you see them with eyes of compassion? Or do you see them only as someone who is opposed to you? Jesus said this you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God treats every human being as someone who's special and someone who needs to be loved. And God doesn't choose some to love and others to hate. Jesus chooses to love. question is, what do we choose? Do we see others with compassion? You see, a person who is a neighbor, who is making neighbors, sees others with compassion in their hearts. I remember when I was a kid. Well, maybe not, not a kid. A little older than a kid. And the abortion clinics were... Everywhere, it seemed. And there were some who claimed to be followers of Jesus who spent their time trying to kill abortion doctors. It never made sense to me. Because if you read what Jesus says, they should have been loving abortion doctors. There's a lot of talk today about people who are are evil. the question is, how do you see those people? Do you see them with the compassion of Christ? Or because of their, what you consider evilness, does it keep you from sharing your love with them? And I want to warn you, because I can't tell you how many times I've had people tell me that a certain group were evil, only to have someone in their family end up in that group. Then they had to decide, would they have compassion upon the one who was a part of their family? And the answer was always yes. The question is then, will you have compassion on the one who's not a part of your family? You see, a neighbor is one who sees with compassion everybody, everybody, And not only did that, but then the Samaritan gets off his his animal and he goes over. You don't just see him with compassion and say, "Oh, I feel sorry for you," and go on. Sorry, <laughs> but he gets off his donkey and he goes to the man, and he begins to help the man. And it's interesting to me that he gets out oil and wine now. Most likely he gets out oil and wine because that's what you would have as a traveler, especially if you were a merchant. You would probably have some oil because you would need oil for your lamps at night. And you most likely would have some wine because you would get thirsty along the way. And so he had oil and wine, so he gets out the oil. Now, I, I, don't, want, I don't want you to miss the significance of this because I think it's really important in Jesus' story. You see, the oil would would give an opportunity to wash the man clean, and the wine, of course, would do what? Well, it would disinfect the wound. So this man is pretty smart, this Samaritan. He gets out his oil, and he gets out his wine. But I want to suggest to you that you have oil and wine that you carry around with you that you could use at any moment. For you see, the Scripture helps us to see that oil is frequently the symbol of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is able to heal in pretty miraculous and exciting ways. And to wash people off and and give them an opportunity to experience peace and love and joy. And you have the Spirit of God within you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And you have an opportunity to bring the Spirit into that situation when you see that person that's broken and hurting. And not only that, God has given us wine. Jesus told told us that He's given us new wine. And this new wine is the grace of God in our lives. And what a great opportunity we have. Not only can we bring the Spirit of God to help wash them, but we can bring the grace of God which will disinfect their brokenness and their wounds bring healing to their lives. Healing that goes deeper than on the outside. Healing that goes way to the inside. It makes their spirit alive in Christ Jesus. You see, a neighbor comes with healing. Not just comes to say hi and to say, oh, I'm sorry you hurt. But a neighbor comes with healing. And begins to offer that healing to the broken to those who are in need. And you have that great opportunity. Not only that, uh, he picks him up and he puts him on his donkey. He start, Boy, can you imagine? Here this guy is. He's laying on the ground. He's half dead. He thinks he's done in. He sees the priest. There's hope. Hope goes by. He sees the Levite. There's hope. Hope goes by. He sees the Samaritan. By this time, he may be thinking, there's no hope. It's a Samaritan. He's on his way by. I might as well just give up and die. But the Samaritan stops, pours the healing salve on him, and then picks him up. Now this guy's got hope. Now this guy knows hey, I might survive this. He picks him up. He encourages him. Uh, you can't imagine what occur- encouragement can do for a person who's greatly broken, who's hurting, who needs help. I've come upon many accidents. I was chaplain of the, the um, ambulance in, in Livermore Falls. Went to many accidents. Met with many people who were close to death. And I always said, just give up and die. Heavens, get it over with. No. Why did I say that, Kenny? I I didn't say that, right? I, I, I wanted to be a neighbor. I walked up to him. I said, hey, listen, hang on. Help is on the way. And we got there, got them in the ambulance. We said, we're getting to the hospital. Hang on. We're on our way to the hospital. Hang on. You can do this. I'm praying for you. We've got people who are concerned about you, helping you right now. You just keep doing what you're doing. You're going to make it. We're going to go with you all the way. And yet the sad part is, I see Christians who see people who are deeply in need. And not, do, not only do they not just pass by on the other side, but they stop and they say a word of judgment, a word of anger, a word of hurt, and they tear open wounds that might have already started to be healed. Our words too quickly push people down when Jesus gives us a hope that no one else can give. And if we offer it to them, we can pick them up. A neighbor picks him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to the healing place. I love this. Takes him to the healing place. He he doesn't just put him on a donkey and take him to the healing place and leave him. He goes to the healing place with him, and he stays with him that first night. Did you catch that? Stays with him that first night. He wants the person to get better, to get well, so he goes with them you see that's what a neighbor does a neighbor doesn't say well you should go to church a neighbor says hey listen i'm going to church tomorrow i'd love you to come with me what do you say i pick you up on the way to worship a neighbor says i i, I know that, that you know you're not an early morning person And I don't particularly like second service. Uh, It's not my style of worship. But I want you to go to church. If you'll go with me at 11 o'clock, I'll take you to worship. 11 o'clock. You see, a neighbor will will look at a person in need and recognize that this person needs to go to Jesus and will go with them. To You, you, You get this yet? goes with them, doesn't send them, but goes with them. This man didn't put him on his donkey and say, okay, have fun, get to the inn, and hey, I hope you get well. See ya. This person says, I'll go with you. Better yet, a neighbor says, listen, I'm not sure you're going to make it to church, so what do you say you and I pray together right now? Let's go to Jesus right now. You and I, together, we'll we'll pray together. Say, well, I'm not a very good prayer. You don't have to be a good prayer. God answers the worst prayers that have ever been prayed. People that don't even know how to talk. And he hears their prayers. And he steps in. Why? Because he wants to love people and see people healed and whole. And this morning, if you are broken, if you are sitting here saying, man, I am like the robber, I'm about ready to give up, I want you to know, don't give up. Jesus is here. He's at work. He's bringing healing into your life. And he wants to change who you are from the inside out. And he hasn't left you. And we won't either. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we just heard this last week that GE is talking about laying off another almost 600 people. Our neighbors are going to need us. And some of those neighbors come to worship here and some of them don't. We have an opportunity to see those in need and reach out in the name of Jesus Christ and make neighbors. You with me? Jesus said, come unto me. All you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you what? Rest. I love this verse. This is an incredible verse. You see, because when you come to Jesus, no matter how broken you are, He offers you rest. Rest! Our world is all caught up in the chaos of the day. I stopped watching the news. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) It's just, uh, I, I don't need to, uh, uh, every time I watch the news, I want to turn it off and open the Bible and get some rest, some hope. That's what Jesus offers. Won't you come to him this morning? If you don't have rest in your life, won't you come to him this morning? As a matter of fact, there are people sitting next to you, and we're going we're gonna to have an invitation at the end of the service and there are people sitting next to you, and if you say you want to go forward, they'll grab your hand and they'll come up with you because they want to come with you. They want to be your neighbor. They want to bring you to Jesus. So don't come alone. Somebody wants to come with you. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Isn't it awesome what it is to be a neighbor when you start making neighbors? And then, of course, once we've brought them to Jesus, we pick them up, we bring them to Jesus, and then the last thing a neighbor does is a neighbor goes above and beyond. Did you notice that? Uh, neighbors are awesome because they go above and beyond. Uh, the the Samaritan takes this man to the inn, spends the night, and the next morning he goes to the innkeeper. Now, I want you to hear how incredible this is because so, I think we get too lost not knowing the culture of the time. But the Samaritan gives the innkeeper Two silver coins, we're told, two denarii in the Greek. A- and it means uh, these two coins uh, would be worth 24 days of board, room and board at the inn. So, in other words, one denarii would cover 12 days. And, uh, just stop and think of it. I mean, if you were to stay at a motel, uh, just go with a motel. We want to go to the hospital. But but just a motel, all right? So you take someone to a motel. cost you what? Probably about $100 a night. I mean, you could probably get it cheaper than that here or there, but about $100 a night. If you went to a really nice place, you know, a couple hundred. But we'll we'll be modest. $100 a night. So you're talking 24 nights. That's $2,400 in today's money that this man Offers to the innkeeper to take care of this man he didn't even know a few moments, a day, a, a day ago, within the last 24 hours, didn't even know $2,400 because this man needed his help. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, wow, this guy just went above and beyond anything I would have even thought of doing. You see, Jesus sends it to the extreme again, doesn't he? This Samaritan is willing to sacrifice. Now, uh, and, and step back a minute. Just to stop on the path was a sacrifice. And I want you to hear this. One of the reasons that, one of most likely the reasons that the Levite and the priest went by so quickly is because this path in Jesus' day was known as the bloody path. You see, it wasn't just the man who got beat up that was beat up on that road. It happened over and over and over again. It'd be like going in some of the neighborhoods in Chicago and stopping in the middle of the night to help someone who just got beat up. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be on the phone with windows up, doors locked. But I what I've discovered, there are places, in, especially in Detroit, I know, there are places that the police and ambulance, don't go at night now. Because why? Because it's not safe. And that's the kind of place that this Samaritan's in. And he's still willing to take a chance, take time, reach out to this person that he sees who has a great need. He's willing to make that sacrifice, to take the time in the midst of danger to care for this man. You see... What Jesus wants you to see is that a person who's making neighbors always goes above and beyond. Always goes above and beyond. And of course, we see that because we know the greatest neighbor that ever lived. You see, that's exactly what Jesus did for us, is it not? He went above and beyond. You see, it it would have been one thing for Jesus to say to his heavenly Father, listen, I will go and walk this earth and teach these people what love is really all about. And then you come and take me home. And And the Father could have said, that's a great idea. I'll take you home. And that would have been incredible that Jesus would be willing to come to this earth and show us what love is about. But you see, Jesus understood that the only way to really show us what love is about is to be willing to sacrifice, to give his all. And so Jesus didn't just come and talk about love. Jesus came and displayed love and ultimately went to the cross to prove His love for us. For you see, He understood that we were lost like sheep without a shepherd. We had been led astray. And we continually found ourselves in the wrong pastures, headed in the wrong direction, with a life that's empty and meaningless without hope. We were beat up on the side of the road And Jesus came along. And Jesus didn't pass by on the other side. No, Jesus came. And in His love and compassion, He came to us and He picked us up. And when those who would have us be empty and lost came along, they decided they didn't want Jesus to pick us up and to help us. And Jesus stood His ground. He was going to stand for us. And so they crucified Him. And they thought they had won. But you see, Jesus actually died so that we could have life, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be full and whole and healthy again. He wanted to pick us up and He knew the only way He could pick us up is if He were to be lifted up and killed on our behalf. And then He offers us that gift of life. You see, He gave His all. He gave everything. Held nothing back. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could have life. So that we could share with others. So that we could see that the greatest thing that could happen in our lives would be for us to give our lives away to someone else. Isn't that true? You who are newly married will say, yeah, when I gave my wife to my, or my life to my spouse, that was the best day, the greatest thing I ever did. You who have been married a long time will say, you know, when I gave my life to this other person, it was the best thing I ever did. Because it made life so much more meaningful. You see, a neighbor understands that it's greater to give than to receive and that our lives are to be a living sacrifice to God. That if you really want to experience the fullness of life, give your life away. If you really want to experience what life is meant to be in its fullness offer your life to Jesus and allow him to come into your life and show you those around you who are hurting and broken and allow him to use you and use his spirit and his grace through you and then offer to that person the greatest gift you've ever received the gift of love through Jesus Christ and watch as Jesus begins to transform their lives and all of a sudden you'll understand That making neighbors is the most incredible thing you could do in your life. You see, that's what Jesus offers. Offers us an opportunity to be and to make neighbors. You see, when you be a neighbor, it happens inside of you. When you make neighbors, it's what you're doing outside of you. And so I encourage you this morning. Keep this in your head. We're going to make neighbors, okay? And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to show compassion to everybody. Anybody and everybody. We're not going to hold back. We're going to show compassion to everybody. We don't care who they are. We don't care where they come from. We're going to show compassion to everybody. We don't care if they've made bad choices. We don't care if they're, they're um, people who hate us. We don't care if they're our enemies. We're going to show them compassion, and, and then we're going to lift them up. We're going to use that superpower called encouragement. And we're going to encourage people. We're going to encourage them with the love of Christ. We're going to encourage them to know. And we're going to go with them to Jesus so that they can experience the healing in their brokenness. And then we're going to grab them by the hand. And we're going to offer to them our presence to help them follow Jesus every day. Those of you who struggle with drugs and alcohol addiction um, and are part of an AA program, you know that one of the most important parts of the AA program is that you have a sponsor, someone who's willing to pray for you, care for you, touch base with you. That person is vitally important to your life. Believers in Jesus Our world needs sponsors. There are brothers and sisters maybe next to you that need a sponsor, someone who will pray for them, someone that they can call in the middle of the night, someone who will really be a neighbor to them. Would you be willing to do that today? See, it was easy last week, right? Yeah, I want Jesus to change me from within and make me a neighbor. But now the hard part is, if I'm going to make neighbors with others, I have to reach out with His love. And that moves us a little out of our comfort zone, doesn't it? I- I'm amazed at this Samaritan. I want to be a Samaritan, don't you? Let's pray together. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for the purpose You've given us. A purpose beyond anything we could imagine. That You've called us to be a part of what You're doing in this world. Sharing Your love. Encouraging others. Being able to offer to others what life can be for them because You've changed our lives. And this morning, Lord Jesus, there are some here who just have never have never opened their hearts to You. And they would like to do so this morning. I pray, Father, that you would hear their prayer right now. And that they would come forward and give us an opportunity to come alongside them and encourage them. Lord Jesus, I pray for those this morning who are broken. And I pray especially for those who have been broken by a church person or by a church, whether it's this one or some other one. And I I pray, Father, that they would see you beyond that. That they would realize that there are others who would be what you would have them be. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for the times when we say things that are hurtful. Say things that destroy. Fill us with your words of life. Help us to share with others your love. Lord Jesus, this morning we pray that you would help us to make neighbors with everybody we meet. For it's in Your name we pray. Amen.